Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 from the Gulf Coast and 107.7 from New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee, who have been a part of our journey since the beginning. I would say, what, Bubbles? Four years? <laughs> 20, well, 2020. Yeah. 2020. Four, at, yeah, yeah. four years, exactly. Four, four years. years. Yeah. There we go. Lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, also, big thank you to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, for his contribution of his music and his voice for the intro that you just heard. Um, he's an award-winning composer of Halloween, horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found on all of your streaming platforms. Big thank you also to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind all of the banners and logos here at the show. Find him on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, tonight, something like totally out of the norm for us, but right up like Amelia's alley. Since, you know, Amelia <laughs> you're going to say crime. something else. She's worked in crime, so I'm like, right this is weird. Yes! I know, because I'm just one of those sort of newbies that I completely get, you know, I, who doesn't oh, know about you know, JFK, but I mean. Yeah, I but who knows it's... all of the theories behind the assassination? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I know. Gonna go and I'm going to be like, yeah, it's going to be I totally know quite a few, here. and I'm quite interested in it because I'm all about a good cover up in the criminal field. So, yeah, yeah I think this one's fantastic. It'll be for the first time, probably like in a really long time, where I just kind of get more laid back and uh, <laughs> just enjoy the ride. <laughs> no, we're going to keep we're going to keep Michelle involved because this <laughs> this touches on yeah. everything. And yes, um, I'll give you an, an interesting little fact that has nothing to do with JFK, but with the son of Sam, okay, serial killer. David right. Berkowitz, right. he used to say that the devil, basically the devil made him do it. He went right. to the Exorcist film and felt like yep. he could see Michelle's on. She's ready. Well, she I already know knows. that. I, he, I, I, it's not like I, he I'm used it because he wanted, <laughs> he wanted to be distinguished differently yes. from other serial killers, but he didn't actually believe what he was saying. No, and there were he wasn't the only one. There were actually a few that tried to pull that card. <laughs> yeah, but this man killed a lot of people. So, I, I know. So yeah. tonight, Jack Roth is going to be joining us for the very first time, and I'm hoping we're going to get him on we'll again be because he's just done some amazing <laughs> films. I know I've yeah. seen them all, so I'm going to be a bit of a nerd with all of this. But the Stan Romanek star, I'm like, okay, you know, definitely have seen that. It's the Extraordinary series, by the way. The Seating, yep, seen it. Revelations, yep, seen it. So I'm a big nerd. I have to watch I but but tonight we take a more serious edge. So his book, Killing Kennedy, exposing the plot, the cover-up, and the consequences. And I'm I am actually really looking forward to this because it's, it's definitely something out of the norm for us. So without further ado, Jack Roth, how are you? 
Good. How are you? Good. Did you hear me all fans? Wow. How I'm are you? Up to here. Good. I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks really so much for having me on. I oh my gosh. Thanks for writing this. You have no idea how excited I was when Michelle told me I'm like, this is a gift for me. It is. This is a yes. gift. I missed her. Okay. Gift. We yes. nicknamed her Bubbles, so here she's gonna be all serious. But anyway, it's like, okay, you're sitting down because it's like, I, I, I got your present. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Amelia, your I'll, I'll send you a signed copy. How's that? <gasps> I'm gonna cry. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. There we um, go. There we go. <laughs> I've never met anyone because maybe because being Canadian, I don't know who has the same thoughts and feelings that I do regarding the assassination. I think there's a lot of knowledge that is messed, you know, messed up and missed over the years. And I don't want to talk too much. I want you to be able to just come in and tell us how you started it and when this came to you that I've got to, I've got to put this down on paper. I have to put the story out. Seriously, because, you know, Jack, looking at everything else you've done, it was just almost blindsided me when I saw this. Book. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This is She's right. like, wait, wait, can he come back? I go, if he likes us. We're <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely going to do this again. I'm so, already loving this. So and I'm good. Is Jack and you wrote about John Kenny. Oh my God. Anyways, <laughs> take it away. Yeah. I'm going to breathe now. I've never done this before in my life, fangirl. This is not me. So, yeah. Anyways. Well, I hope I don't disappoint. No. Well, <laughs> I um yeah it's it's interesting knowing that with the films I've done and you know doing the documentary work but I've always been fascinating with fascinated with the Kennedy assassination uh, I think from the time I was a kid a little context uh, I was born in 1965 so mm -hmm. I missed the assassination by a couple of years but I think I, I, I think missed that, it by a long shot, but whatever. You know, yeah, uh, so I show my age, but it's important to say that because I did grow up during the aftermath of it, or what yes. I call the aftermath of it, uh, which was, you know, obviously Martin Luther King assassination, RFK assassination, the counterculture movement, the Vietnam War, War Nixon, Watergate. Watergate. It was like this erosion. <laughs> totally yeah. this total erosion of what was known as american exceptionalism in the 50s and the early 60s so but what i'm a i'm a oh, i've always been a critical thinker and i never have trusted like some generations i think before us may have trusted institutions that they grew up with mm -hmm. and i've never have and I, maybe it's a gen x thing i don't know but i I, I just don't take things at face value. So, but one of the things that I remember being maybe 11, 12 years old and no, knowing enough now at that age to get a handle on my own perspective on the assassination. And the thing that always really bothered me was the fact that Jack Ruby was able to come into that police station and just shoot Oswald in the stomach and kill no him. Idea. But right before he had a chance, before Oswald had a chance to go to trial. And why? And, and, well, because, and think about it, because to me, Oswald was saying, already saying, I'm a patsy. He was, and what I found out about Lee Harvey Oswald, and we'll get to this, is one of the most incredible parts of this journey for me, uh, that I was able to verify some things and really get a, gain a better understanding of who he really was as a person. But um so that always bugged me. And then, of course, in 1991, I think for a lot of people, the movie JFK comes out, 
Mm-hmm. Oliver mm-hmm. Stone does a phenomenal job of just yes. throwing everything on the wall, right? And as he always does. As he always does. He's brilliant. And uh, he actually liked my book, which meant the world to me. I had sent him a copy, he actually read it and liked it. So uh, that was a really incredible moment for me. But, you know, so I was always interested. And then I started doing a ton of research. And when you think about it, though, Michelle, like you, you think about the documentaries I do, it's all about really unsolved mysteries. Yeah. It's about the truth. Yeah. It's it's about trying to get to the truth on things that are kind of that bug you, right? That it's like there's something wrong here. Something's mm-hmm. rotten in the state of Denmark. We kind of know it is, right. but the government's not telling us the truth. It's the same for UFO disclosure. It's the same right. thing. True. Mm-hmm. So you know, but the Kennedy, I just you know, of course, again, has always been interested. So what happened was, right when COVID started, um, which was actually good timing from the standpoint that. You know, we're all going to be inside for a long time. And, and, and for me, that's fine. I'm a writer. And, uh, and then, you know, all the interviews I did was face to face on like, whether it's Skype or whatever it was, yeah. Google, but I, I, I sat with people, even not in front of them, but we would face to face, if you will. And uh, what wound up happening is I had a good friend of mine uh, and he's a, he's a, a hell of a writer in his own right. He lives in England and, uh, his name is Miguel. And we were talking about this cause he's into the same stuff. And we're like, you know, we sit there and again, having this objective, trying to have this objective conversation about the Kennedy assassination. And he said, I said, Jack, if you want to write a book, what would be different about this book than the thousands of other books that have already been written on this topic? Mm-hmm. And it gave me pause. It made me realize you're right. I can't just what am I going to do? There have been people that have been researching this for 50 years, literally. 60. And 60, well, 60 is when it happened. And there yes, are some yes. people who were alive who started doing it back then. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? We started throwing around ideas and concepts. And this idea of why it still matters kept coming up. And the this the the idea of these perpetual rich. Uh, ripple effects, that there have been ripple effects since then that are still affecting us today. And it does still matter. So for younger Mm -hmm. generations, they need to know because nothing's ever been the same since that day, since the day Kennedy was killed, everything has changed and not for the better. Mm. So that's where it started. And then one interview led to another. I definitely wanted to, I did it in an interview format where every chapter is a person that I interviewed. And I put, I, the way I set the book up was to have different sections. Like one section, for example, is my father was in the CIA. And that section is all people whose father was, was literally in the CIA during that time. Oh. So, yeah. And that was you wow. know, again, fascinating. I mean, the, the, the things I learned and, and just the emotional impact of the interviews too. It was very emotional for everyone. Uh, there were two little girls. That's another part of the book. They were, there were two little girls who were in Dallas that day. One was in Dealey Plaza. The other's grandmother owned the boarding house that Oswald stayed in. Oh, wow. So there was all, I got really I good interviews and I, and I try to give these, I, I wanted the people in the book to do the talking and I was just going to present it in a, mm-hmm. in a very compelling, readable way. Mm-hmm. And again, in the last, in my, I do give conclusions based on everything I learned, but to me, it was more of people's history. 
And mm-hmm. there are a lot of conclusions that you can come through to based on all these interviews I did. I did 24 interviews that are in the book and it just turned out really well. I mean, I've, I've been really so happy uh, with the feedback that I've gotten and from everyone. And, and I do, I appreciate it, but it's, it's uh, I've, I, I wanted to do my own small part in adding to the literature of the Kennedy assassination in a way that would make people think mm-hmm. to not just accept the official narrative all the time, because most of the time officials, they're simply going to lie to you because that's what governments basically do. There's a lot of history in this. It's yes. not just the Kennedy assassination, right? It's, it, this goes back to the beginning of civilizations, human civilizations. Mm-hmm. This is the way things are. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's corruption, there's cover up, there's conspiracy. This is human nature. And that's part of the book as well. Everyone I, loves a mystery. I love what and you put. Yeah. The contribution that you made is, is I find, I think it would be hard pressed to find in any other literature because I don't know of anyone who has interviewed the boarding house where Oswald stayed. Uh, well, and again, so you have the grandmother, her, this woman's grandmother. And so she was yeah. a kid, but to give you an example, Okay, that's this is a perfect example. So mm-hmm. we ask, well, who was Lee Harvey Oswald really? Yes. Right. And one of my main goals of the book was to give a perspective on Oswald, a more human perspective on him, that wasn't just either a patsy or a lone nut, because that's the only way people think of him, one or the other. But we're dealing with a human being. Is a real? He was a real person, right? He had a wife and two kids. Mm-hmm. When when he died, his children were very young two girls who are alive today, who still have to live with that stigma. That's right. So I wanted to get it to the more personal aspects of this. Who was this man? And why did they choose him? And why did, what happened that, that he was put in this position in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so this woman who was her grandmother owned the boarding house. So she was, she would meet a lot of people who stayed at the boarding house and Men usually who stayed there for a specific amount of time for whatever, you know, and then went their own way. Um, And what she said about Oswald that stood out to her was like of all the people that stayed there, they most of the men that are there, they're doing whatever they're doing. They did not want to deal with kids. It was her and her. She had two brothers and they were all young and most of them didn't want to give them the time of day. But Lee Harvey Oswald did. He would, when he had spare time, he would go out and play catch with the brothers. He would play with them. He would talk to them. And uh, one time this, this, this girl had dyslexia. So her grandmother was at the kitchen table. They're doing their homework and she was having a real hard time. And back then they didn't know what this was. So it was frustrating. The grandmother's like, why can't you get this? And Lee Harvey Oswald passed by her and whispered in her ear, don't ever give up. Because he was dyslexic and he became, he worked through it and he became an avid reader. He was an extremely intelligent, well-read man. Hmm. Uh, And he was also a patriot and he was part of the, he was part of the U S intelligence community. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what people don't realize. Yeah. He worked for the CIA, that he, he was really good at spycraft and he followed his orders. That is what got him in the situation. Yeah. But this is something, this is an amazing story. So one time there, Lee Harvey Oswald, so he was sitting on the, on the front steps, uh, front porch, if you will. And the two brothers were playing wrestling and they got into a, like a real fight. And the sister, this woman, was by the door at the time. So Lee went out, separated them, brought them back to the porch, sat him down, and said, you guys have to understand something. You're brothers. And you must always protect each other. You cannot fight with each other. You're brothers. Mm-hmm. And so you always know that. Don't fight with each other. And this girl standing there like, oh my God, I can't believe he's even caring. You know, because back then, most adults were like, well, your children are to be seen and not heard. That's true. <laughs> it was a mentality. It was the time. early 60s. Oh, yeah. it, you know, it was really, that's the way it was. Right. So for Oswald to be that, he cared. He cared about these kids. He loved kids. He had mm-hmm. two daughters of his own. So he wasn't this crazy, lunatic, lone assassin nut job that the media and, and the Warren Commission made him out to be. And there's more to it. There's a lot more in the book about it, but that was one of the things that was very satisfying to me is that I actually learned so much about who Leah Harvey Oswald was and what his role. And when I say what his role was in it is that he really didn't have a role in it. He was definitely set up. Now he was there. He knew he was part of U S intelligence. So he was told to be there and he Mm -hmm. was, he was doing what he was doing. He was basically infiltrating far right uh, Cuban exile community groups mm-hmm. that were actually a threat to Kennedy. So he thought for longest time that he was helping protect Kennedy. And then he found out at some point, we're not sure exactly when that he was being set up as a patsy, which is when he made the final phone call he made to his girlfriend at the time, who was having an affair with her. This was, this is all new Orleans related the summer before. And I interviewed her. And what she said is that Lee said, because she's like, meet me in Mexico. Just run away. Get away. We'll meet somewhere. And he said, I can't because if I am not where I'm supposed to be, they're going to kill my wife and kids. And so he was like, I have to see this through. And And this is what he said. He said, and besides, if I stay there'll be one less gun pointed at Kennedy. Wow. Wow. I need time to absorb that. There's, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, because I, it's not what you normally hear, that's, right? That's you a hear, yeah, that's a big it, deal. <laughs> it very much is because you hear the story of, in, in the documentaries on the television specials, you hear the story that he was met at the doorway and he was just dismissed because the management said, oh, he's an employee here. And he was dismissed and then later arrested at a movie theater because he didn't pay an admission fee. And then he punched the cop and was arrested. And I said to Michelle, I got to wonder, why would you punch a police officer unless you need protection or you need to make? You need to be found. Yes. Well, check this out. Oswald realizes that day he's at the book depository. He's not on the sixth floor. There are other assassins with on the sixth floor. Mm -hmm. He's not there. 
so he's either down on the front in the front like there's that photo that people you know again trying to confirm that's tough because it's blurry but it does look like oswald but he realizes he's smart and he knows now he's in trouble so yeah. what does he do he goes home he gets his gun that's when he runs into Tippett, officer Tippett. well they said there were people there and that they say oswald killed Tippett, but oswald didn't kill Tippett. it was someone else who killed Tippett. and here's the thing what does Oswald do, like any good operative do, would do in a situation like that? He calls his handler, CIA handler. What does the CIA handler tell him to do? Go to the Texas theater. We'll pick you up. We'll get you, we'll get you out of town. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the Texas theater. And the next thing you know, whether he paid for the ticket or not, 40 or 50 Dallas police officers are at the Texas theater. And he knows, okay, I'm definitely the patsy. They did. So basically they set him up to go to the Texas theater so they could get him there. They don't charge him with these, with the uh, shooting of the president. They mm. charge him with the uh, tippet shooting. <laughs> they bring him in. He's wow. not allowed to talk to an attorney. He's like, what? And you saw the interview with him in while he was there. He's like, I'm a patsy. I have no idea what's going on. I haven't been given legal representation. Mm -hmm. He -hmm. knew exactly what was happening. So the people responsible, and we can get into that, but they see this and they realize Oswald cannot see the inside of a courtroom. We can't have him talk. I think that they thought he would either be killed in the Tippett incident or at the theater, but he didn't. He wasn't. So who do they bring in? Jack Ruby, mobster, up to his eyeballs, right? He's mm-hmm. he, and the mob is in on this. They didn't. They're not the main. They they assisted. There's a lot of factors in it. There's right? so there's many. There's a lot and of factors. A lot of puzzle pieces. And it's convoluted on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, this there's misinformation on purpose. It's it's confusing on purpose. And that's the way that CIA operated at the time. This is the way they went into other countries and did coups and stole elections and did all the things they weren't supposed to be doing, but they were doing it. Mm -hmm. So they just basically took what they were doing on the outside and they used to work with the mob. They would hire the mob to Mm -hmm. do hits because the mob was really good at that. No, it's not the first time. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So you start putting all these pieces together and then you realize, now listen, in the end, people ask me all, who did it? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know who was behind the grassy knoll. We'll probably never know that because there's been so much, right, that mm-hmm. has come out since. And, and it's all confusion and misinformation and misdirection. For a reason. So, I, I wonder, reason. too, yeah. if anybody, if he ever even revealed that he was on the grassy knoll or the gentleman behind the fence. I mean, we have a picture of a hat, but that's all we have. But, I mean, that's not something that you would be telling your grandkids at Thanksgiving. Right. No, so. and, and the amazing thing about it is these people today, still today, are terrified to talk about it because they know what the people who did it are capable of. Well, then the, they did their job. No one will ever talk about it until they, it runs out of generations. They succeeded in their coup d'etat. And that's what I tell people. Well said. <laughs> And oh, that's hi, sad. Daniel. It's very, yeah. very sad. And that's why I felt like I needed to write the book because regardless of what we know in the end, we know there's something was wrong. Something wasn't right. The Warren Commission report was nonsense. The magic bullet theory was utter nonsense. The mm-hmm. Jack Ruby 
killing Oswald should have been the biggest red flag of all. And one of the things I learned, which is interesting, in the United States, we kind of bought into what the government was telling us. We we, we couldn't believe that mm. our government would do such a thing. But in Europe, no. in the mm. European papers, because remember, they're much older countries, right? And they've been through this a billion times with their governments. And they're like, they did it. They 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 just, they couldn't believe they laughed at us because we were believing what the government our government was telling us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, wait, you don't see the red flags here? The Americans are. <laughs> we were like it's, four year olds, literally four year olds, who's like, oh, that's our government. They wouldn't do that. To us. <laughs> it's it's hard because it depends on what generation you're asking. Gen X, I was born in '69. We. <laughs> We will pin you down and say you're guilty before we even look into who you are. <laughs> we'll condemn you first. That's just our nature. Mm-hmm. But I think our, the generation before us and perhaps after us looks at it a little bit differently. But it's hard to believe, like you said, that your government was responsible for killing one of the most beloved presidents you've ever had in your history of America. And how and why would they want to that's my question, regardless of who was involved, how many shots were heard, how someone can distinguish, you know, a handgun from a, a shotgun, a rifle, and so on. The one question still remains, why? And again, mm-hmm. that's the most important question. What's the motive? Yeah. And I go back to what I tell people, and it's a safe answer, because again, I wasn't there. I wasn't behind the grassy knoll. You know, I wasn't on the sixth floor to the pie. I didn't see who was there. Uh, I wasn't in some backdoor meeting where they decided to do this. And who was that, right? Who were the powerful men who really made that decision? Mm-hmm. But what we what we see and what we kind of know is that, so you have Kennedy. John, John F. Kennedy was not supposed to win the election in 1960. Nixon was supposed to win that election. And here comes this upstart Kennedy and, and they may very well with his father. Daddy. Yes. With his father and his union connections, they might've stole the election in Chicago and Illinois. Well, his it father was, was a criminal. He was a bootlegger. <laughs> he was a gangster. Yeah, was a bootlegger. Yeah. And so here are these upstart Kennedys. Well, what do you have going on in 1960? So, and this is what I tell people who killed Kennedy. It was, the Cold War mm-hmm. and the times in which he governed that killed, ultimately killed JFK. And what I mean by that is the Cold Warriors. And who are we dealing with when we say Cold Warriors? Alan Dulles, the Alan Dulleses of the world, mm-hmm. right? The James Angletons of the world, the CIA people who were, they, they were part of the OSS before it was the CIA, mm-hmm. you know, and they had this, their biggest enemy to them was this was Soviet Union. It was communism. It wasn't the Nazis. We defeated the Nazis in World War II. But Alan Dulles and the CIA helped tens of thousands of Nazis escape Europe. It's Project Paperclip. And it wasn't just yes. scientists. It wasn't just Warner von Braun hmm. uh, with the rocket program. It was MK, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about like MK Ultra, that's right, you know, mind control. They were doing this in the concentration camps. A lot of these old school American blue blood elitists, and in the end, that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. blue blood elitists with a lot of power. Their grandfathers and great grandfathers were the original robber barons. 
So they look down on Kennedy's father for being a bootlegger, but their yeah. families made their money. It is just as crooked, if not more crooked ways. Mm -hmm. yeah, but theirs was older. <laughs> it was much older. And they were from, again, these blue blood. Yeah. I say, I use the, the waspy. You don't hear that much anymore, but it's no. white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? People ask me, well, Kennedy went to Harvard. He was privileged. And they were. They were wealthy because the father made a ton of money. They went they mm -hmm. were very well educated. A, they were Catholic. And to these guys, to these blue blood elitists, that they might as well have been the devil. I mean, they, they were having none of it. Okay. They weren't of the same quote unquote class and breed as these guys were, as these mm -hmm. other families were. Because in the end, we are talking about families. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they are run, they are of oh, they've run the country since the 1800s, since the robber barons. These are the same guys who built the railroads. Right. The same guys who own the banks, the same guys who eventually Henry Ford. Right. It, it, all these guys and a lot of them, what they had in common, you read this is true. They were all anti-Semitic. They were all fascist a little bit in their way of thinking. They hated everyone that wasn't them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they grow up generation after generation with this elitist mindset of we're better than everyone else. We're kind of living under that now. And we are living under that now. Yeah. Well, there's no question we are. And that's because in 1963, I think they galvanized their strength. And it was, and they sent a very powerful message to anyone who would dare go against them. Not untouchable. And Kennedy got in the office. He was, there was a little hubris there. There was ego there with John F. Kennedy and Robert, you know, he's just attorney general. But like, we right. have power. But presidents really don't have power in this country. Eisenhower no. tried to warn Kennedy of that. Many leaders don't, especially mm. if you're in a democracy or parliament. You're not going to have power. You no, have a cabinet. Government. You don't have right. power. <laughs> and, but, and when you think about what Kennedy tried to do, what did he want to do? There, he did some. He wanted to change some things that were just unacceptable to these people. First mm -hmm. of all, he wanted to get rid of the CIA because the CIA had lied to him uh, in the mm -hmm. Bay of Pigs. Alan, they try to manipulate him mm -hmm. like they did Eisenhower. And Kennedy was like, I'm not giving you air support. So what happens? Kennedy takes the blame publicly, but behind closed doors, he's furious with the CIA. He fires Alan Dulles. <laughs> this is a cold warrior, sacred cow of the Cold War, Alan Dulles. He fires him. That was the first, well, maybe the first or second nail in his coffin. Right. <laughs> so you have that going on. Then what happens the next year in 62, Cuban Missile Crisis? Mm -hmm. This is when Kennedy realizes that tens of millions of Americans can die at a blink of an eye. 40 million. Yeah. And he starts to communicate backdoor with Khrushchev, backdoor channels to say, we need detente. We need to, we need to back off on this. We need to work together a little bit. And that's where that you hear the things like the joint space program. And, and he was working with Khrushchev because he also realized this is ridiculous. This is a fool's errand. Millions of people are going to die. Mm -hmm. But the Cold War is in the United States. The Joint Chiefs of Staff, people like Curtis LeMay, again, Alan Dulles, all these guys, right? They don't care about collateral damage. If 10 million Americans die, again, mm -hmm. they're peasants. There's still We're, 300 million left. It's a military outlook, as, though. As long as we survive, because yeah. mm -hmm. we're the elite. Yeah. Who cares? We get rid of some of it. It's probably a good thing. 
we thin the herd a little bit. Right. This is how these people think. And that and that's what that people don't them. realize is like you have to understand the mentality <clears throat> in order to understand why and how it happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about him firing the CIA. That is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talking. realized what he was up against, and boy, I tell you. And and if if you if you look at Kennedy's presidency from sixty to sixty three, he changed a lot as a person. He grew as a person. I tell people this all the time. The Kennedys were not perfect people. Obviously, they were not. Uh, and uh, JFK was probably the biggest womanizer maybe who ever walked the face of the earth. And he had a, <laughs> real, issue, a real issue with that. He but, had some competition with Sinatra. I think there yeah, was a yeah, competition oh, there. Yeah. yeah. Without question. Yeah. They said they liked the same women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what do you have? You, you have a guy who realizes he has courage. We know this Ooh. because of profiles and courage. He was a hero in World War II. He truly did have courage. He mm. did. And he was also had courage with the mob by dating the mistress of a big mobster. He, 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 here's the thing about him. He cared about the American people in America and he saw what was happening and he thought he could change it. Mm-hmm. And people ask me, cause it, I get into this and I've talked to some people who say, well, they knew that there was a possibility that they would try to kill him. So did he have this conversation with Robert? Right. And, and say, but, you know, well, they won't do that. I think in the end, Kennedy thought they don't have, they would never do such a thing. They don't have the gall to do that. Well, they did it. And they did have the gall. And they got away with it, thanks to the mainstream media that they owned. Thanks to the Warren Commission, which was a farce. Guess who was on the Warren Commission? Alan Dulles. Yes. And, and then they Him and Chief the Justice Magic. Warren were just, yeah. Yeah. And the magic bullet theory that that uh, Arlen Specter came up with, who was a government shill, was the most ridiculous theory that was ever posited in the history of theories in human history. Is that the one where it takes out seven wounds with one (laughs) bullet? If there's more than three bullets, then they have a problem. The war condition (laughs) because it is a pruder film. So they know there's more than three bullets. There's a conspiracy. Because the guy, Oswald, couldn't get more than three shots off in that time period, blah, blah, blah. Even less. Without, there's no way. And and experts yeah. couldn't do the shooting up on the sixth floor. So, no. what, so you have this, they have to prove it was just three bullets. So two were accounted for. So this third one had to do 50 different things. So that's basically the magic bullet theory. This one bullet did all these things, caused all these injuries. Oh, and by the way wound up being found on the side of a gurney in the hospital in pristine pristine condition. condition. That one just threw me. I'm like, wow, things would be so different now. They would never find that bullet nowadays. <laughs> that would be gone, long gone. They, and it they, would they never have never been a be question. Able to pull it off. No. You know, even if they had that CIA guy or some guy, the Secret Service, some guy put that bullet there and just, oh, there's the bullet. The problem is too much technology now. There's too many cameras. Absolutely. Uh, the Street thing that cameras, almost, yeah, yeah, the thing that almost really got them in trouble was the Zapruder film. So this guy with an eight millimeter camera, which was the technology of the day for people, he mm-hmm. was all excited about his it new was camera. And he filmed it, right? Yes. You know, but yes. today there'd be everyone in Dealey Plaza would have a camera. So and you could never do it that way. Analyzing that 
stuff for years. They'd still be analyzing it now if they had that then. Just, Do you talk about the frame switch? I've talked to people about that. It's a tough one. I, I know there's a Pruder film that most likely was doctored uh, because apparently the original is a Pruder film, which was sold to Time Magazine. Which again, if you do the if you if you if you create the path there and know who was in charge of Time Magazine, it was all part of the mainstream media cover up. Mm -hmm. So they had to mess with it a little bit because the, the apparently the originals of Pruder film clearly shows Kennedy being shot here, and all the doctors at the hospital when they he came in. They all pointed. They say, "Here was the here was his the death injury. This was the death blow. The bullet there was right here. Mm -hmm. Oswald had to be from back here. So they had to figure out. Well, that can't be from here because here's the grassy knoll. That the grassy knoll is right there. That's where he was. That's where the fatal shot was mm -hmm. fired. Was from the grassy knoll. But they couldn't let. They had to cover that up. Mm. So." There's so much. And then there yeah. are people today still who are like, oh, no, Oswald did it. You know? And I'm like, well, why do you say that? I, I think it's easier you know? for them. Some people just don't want to do the work or the, you know, it's or change. Listening too, though. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, absolutely. You know, you hear something so many times, people start to believe it. I mean, we've seen that in recent times. We see it in the news all the time. Media is is going to be faithful to whoever is funding it, and if it's privately owned, they're going to do what they're told. What they so didn't I, count on. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say what they didn't count on. They weren't supposed to duplicate that film, but right. someone did, right. and that's what they weren't counting on, and that's when everything started to roll all over again. Mm. Yeah, that was almost a big slip up right there. That guy would have been in jail if that if he did that now. He'd be in prison. Because mm. that's that never would have been sold because it would have been counted as as criminal evidence. It never would have been released. Well, so much there was when you talk about a criminal case and the way they handled everything, it was a oh, joke. So I mean, they bad. washed the limousine. There was a crime scene and they watched and they let it. people put roses in and the said, well, yeah. And we, we, we didn't want Jackie to go through that. And that's what, that's what Ruby's excuse was. I didn't want Jackie to have to go through a trial. You don't give a, he doesn't care about Jackie. Rats potato about Jackie Kennedy. Jackie's that's dad ridiculous. was crooked too. <laughs> well, the, you know, listen, very, again, you're talking about very privileged people, yeah. but, but these, the, the lesson here, and that's the thing in the book that I try to say, is that, listen, we'll never know all of it at this point. Too much time has passed. But we do know, we should know, and we shouldn't believe what's been told to us because that is definitely not the truth. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. 
Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. And we can't take things at face value. And if we really want to live in a democratic, free society, we have to realize that governments are governments, whether it's our government, the Chinese government, the South African government, or the Australian government. They are there to maintain their power and control. And everything gets corrupted. Everything gets it, it just nothing. Nothing is a perfect. If you look at, say, a democracy or socialism, or you look at these in its purest form, the way it was written in its purest form, they sound phenomenal. But when you actually put them into practice with human beings, the problem is human beings. Hmm. And I try to tell people this all the time. We are very flawed. Uh, We're flawed. And as much as a lot of us try to do good and try to search for the truth, and try to do good things in our lifetime, especially power hungry people are horrible people. And a lot of times they're literally like hmm. psychologically insane. Well, literally. most, most billionaires are tend to have psych, you know, sociopathic tendencies. It comes with their IQ. It doesn't mean they'll kill someone, but when you profile them, it does come with their IQ, just like narcissism has a big, part of it but what people have to understand when they say oh but these people are billions and billions and billions of dollars in yes but there's nothing left to buy now what do they need they seek power they seek some will exactly. seek to torture their their own people some will seek genocide it's a way of fueling that ego and that that narcissism there's so much more to it mm -hmm. than just making a buck when you own everything and you could buy anything now what some right. people well, build electric cars no and some you people, you know, right. yeah, some people build electric cars have? and some people buy banks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Rothschild. But, you know, it's so it's you have to look at it that way. I think for me, it doesn't matter who did it. And when I say why, I know there's a million reasons that they could have taken him out. And I'm, you know, I just find it fascinating at how they pulled it off and how sloppy that was. That looked really bad on the US because this is your president. This was allowed to happen. And I think that's where people wanna blame Oswald, right? right. They wanna blame him because he's not one of them kind of thing. And Well, I, there's something that, and I, inter I interviewed some psychologists in the book because I wanted to get a perspective, the psychological perspective, the sociological perspective, because it's important. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the why people in this country, especially accepted, the, accepted what they were being told, there's mm -hmm. something known as cognitive dissonance. And like yeah. you said earlier, it's easier to think that the lone nut communist Oswald did it than to actually consider that our government did it mm -hmm. or or elite cabalist group mm -hmm. in our government did it yeah it, it it's too much to bear because it's like well country government's supposed to be like mother <clears throat> and father they're supposed to nurture us this is what we're taught right it's like oh you know like we you know we it's for more we're more kids mm -hmm. you know and the truth is that's the furthest thing from the truth but there's a lot of people, if you're a World War II veteran and hero and Kennedy is killed, do you really want to, you're going to be like, oh, the communists did it. I can deal with that. 
you know, oh, Jack Ruby just wanted to kill him because he didn't want Jackie to go through the, <laughs> they right. believe that because it's so much easier. And it's it a is. real thing. It's a psychological thing called cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. And there's all these other psychological factors that are involved in why, and they know if, 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 if anyone knows psychology of human beings, it's the intelligence community. Mm -hmm. You see the CIA with MK Ultra. They've been trying to control people, and the Nazis did it. And this has been going on forever. Well, so, not just trying; they have because it's propaganda, yeah. and propaganda yeah. works on a society, especially if they're uninformed or they're mm -hmm. not educated the way they should be, or they're not taught critical thinking skills. Our kids aren't taught critical thinking skills. They have to learn it on their own or have parents like me who tell my son have critical thinking skills, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's like us. We say, well, <laughs> definitely you have to have critical think, but they don't want an intelligent mass of people in there. They don't no. want that. They don't no. want those citizens because we'll challenge them at every turn. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is that 90% of people just go with the flow. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it. And they know that's why they know they could get away with it. And, and plus a big part of that, again, they control the media. So they control the message. They had to control the message and they did that as best they could. And they were able to get away with it. So that's, that's even, even then they controlled the media, but yet people have so much trouble believing they still do. Oh yeah. The media is totally, I mean, I think the media Honestly, and you can look this up. I tell people, I think it's controlled. It, it, everything, almost everything in this country is run by three companies. If you, if you, if you do the, if you follow, right? The money. <laughs> well, follow the money, but also, yeah. okay, well, who owns NBC? Well, mm. who owns Disney? Well, who owns, then you finally get to the Blackwaters or whatever they're called. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I have to do more research on this, but there are three companies that basically own everything. And that's not a democracy. That's an oligarchy. Yes. And they're controlling the message. So in the next, and then once you know, once you see it, it's really weird. Once you see it, you can never go back. All of a sudden you're like, the news is nonsense. And you actually see what they're doing. And you're like, wait a minute. So it's fear, 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 fear. <laughs> you know, you don't want to see they, that. You, you're ca you're casting stone at their glass houses. That they, they they don't they don't want to not feel safe. They don't want to think that everything is a lie. Divide and conquer. Yeah. Uh, look at our look at our two party system yeah. now. We're at each other's throats. Yeah. I tell people this all the time because they try to sometimes they'll try to get me to go politically on it, <laughs> and I'm like this has nothing to do with Democrat or Republican. Mm -hmm. This has to do with divide and conquer, and it's an elite group of people who are laughing hysterically, thinking that the president and Congress actually matter. <laughs> you know, that's window dressing. To, you know? I think people have to take it less personally as well. I think you need to look at it as a business sense right now, especially after the economy um, crashing the way it did after everything. And um, every everybody's struggling worldwide. They're struggling. Mm -hmm. I think you really need to, you've got a country that's going into election. We do the following year. Um, you know, Italy just had doors, theirs. Thank God they brought someone in with smarts and, and power. She's, she's mighty fierce for a little, a little <laughs> person. Like she's, she's short like me. So, you know, I think people have to stop looking at the personalities and look at what is being done and who's the best person for that position who can best stand up 
to the other side, not well, just lead. And I tell people this though, too. It's, don't we have to look at morality a little bit? Don't we, it should matter bit. that we care. Mm-hmm. It should matter that we care about other human beings. It should matter that we're good people. It should matter that we try to do the right thing every day instead of the wrong thing every day. So if there's politicians because of the way assist our system set up, it's all about money. So mm-hmm. it's who's donating, right? There's money in politics. So the, by the time they get to their office, whatever office that might be, they're bought and sold a million times over. I think mm-hmm. so too, because I always they say they go shills. in as they're good shills. people and they come <laughs> out as politicians. Correct. And yeah. they come out a lot wealthier. And there's the, there's a few that are different. And those are the ones that usually get shot in the head. And we haven't seen an attempted assassination since Reagan in the United States, correct? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that was Reagan. That was was it. Attempted one. Yeah. Because Ford was that that was that was squeaky for him. Try to kill Gerald Ford. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Reagan. Yeah. Reagan. I'm shocked at that, actually. But you know what? Well, it had nothing to do with politics. It had everything to do with Jodie Foster. (laughs) Well, or so we we think, right? So again, what's the mind control element here that we're talking Mm. about? Do you ever find, I find this funny. And I, I, this is not something that I'm putting out there as a fact. That's something that's whatever, but I just find it interesting that all these, all these assassins of important people all have Mm -hmm. three names, not two, three names. Think about it. Wow. John Wilkes Booth, <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> the That's guy a different conspiracy. It's, it's like, why do we have to know their middle name? What, 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 what is that? And Just that, in case I'm, you confuse them with the other Lee Oswald on the so street. So I'm thinking, well, yeah, Lee Harvey Oswald as opposed to Lee. It Edmund sounds Oswald. better. <laughs> you know, like, but it, there's there could be a psychological element to that that we're not even aware of. Well, if you go into behavior analysis and you got to go back to childhood, that's a whole other conversation there. That's something I do a lot of. <laughs> that's something that, you know, that's a whole other show. <laughs> if you understand humanity, if you understand human nature and you understand history, I think you can get, get you have a better grasp of why things were the way they were, are the way they are, and could be the way they could be. That's why because- I say don't take it personally. You have to learn from it. Yeah. You have to learn from the things that, and, and understand that human nature plays a big part in it. And unless we evolve, like really evolve, <clears throat> I'm talking about metaphysically evolve. That's right. Okay. Oh, and become truly at a higher level, vibrational level. And we stop thinking that money is the king of everything. All right. Until we get rid of that 3D way of thinking where our ego controls That's everything tough. we a do. A lot of people. No right. shoes. Yeah. And and we have to get past that. Absolutely. And until we get past that, we're never going to have we're always going to have major corruption at all levels of government from local to national and then from beyond these inter- international organizations. Mm-hmm. Look at FIFA that, you know, with, with this. I don't know if you're familiar with soccer, yeah. but they had. Yeah, they, when, I'm Italian. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I am too, by the way. I don't have an Italian last name, but I am Italian. No, I have a really Italian last name. <laughs> so I'm really, I love soccer. And and uh, when when they awarded uh, 
uh, what was it? They, the, the really our country was in the summer and it was like 130 degrees. Yeah. And it was like, how could they award them the World Cup? It was all, and, and it came out, it was all a fraudulent. It was all a take. They were all on the take. They all lined their yes. pockets. I think some went to jail. Because so none of you like, wouldn't be able to play in that weather anywhere else. People were dying building the stadiums because it was so hot. They changed it to the winter, but they were building them in the summer and people were dying. Do you think they cared? No. No. Care about the almighty dollar. I think getting back to what you were saying as far as, um, you know, enlightening and becoming, like raising your awareness, I think it comes down to a consciousness thing. As long as people have fear, then it's going to be a lot harder to get them to that point. And I believe the powers that be are well aware of that, hence why they keep the people fearful. I think Kennedy was one example of showing them that no one is untouchable. I like the fact that you made Oswald a bit more human in this whole process because he seems to, you know, have been lost in there. I think people have just directed so much anger towards him that they didn't stop to think, you know, amid all of these conspiracy theories that maybe this guy really had no choice. You start threatening your family, that makes it really, really difficult. Yeah. You know, pe people have done more to other people for a lot less <clears throat> than that. So yeah. I, I like that aspect of it. You know, guilty or not, the fact remains is we don't all start out that way. What happens in the middle? We're compromised. And then once we're compromised, you know, you got to do certain things where you have to be where you're supposed to be. I talked to other intelligence operatives, uh, well, the, the children of, uh, who were there. One, one woman whose father was in Dealey Plaza that day, and he used to do photography. He was, a, he was in the Naval Intelligence mm -hmm. and then the CIA. And he mm -hmm. said, I, I, Oswald was on my team that day. We were supposed to be taking photographs of Dealey Plaza. We were all told to be in a certain spot. People didn't know why they were told to be in certain spots, but it put them there. I heard that one. And then, and then someone said, and they said like what they found out a couple of weeks before that they were being set up and they, and they found out what was going to happen. And one of the guys on their team committed suicide because he's, I can't, he couldn't, handle it. couldn't handle it. Yeah. And it's that comes with fascinating, fascinating interview. And that mm. comes with the whole theory of CIA agents were, were changed out at the last minute. It's like, no, if they were changed out, they always knew they were supposed to be there because you do have to practice that. That's a rehearsal. You don't just go in there. And I found, um, I found Clint Hill, who was the agent who jumped up on the trunk of the car after that fatal shot and the scalp goes back and, and, um, Jackie Kennedy's getting up on the car to grab what fragments. I couldn't imagine what was going through her head. And I would imagine, like, for me, when I see that, I think she's thinking, oh, I'll just put it back, you know, like, because that's someone shock. you love, right? In shock. And, and as an empath, it kills me to watch it. I can't watch that loop over and over again. Um, this is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty. <sighs> 
smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. Clint Hill has so much trouble speaking about it because he feels so responsible. He said, they keep asking me, did you hear more than two shots? Some people heard three and four shots. And he says, I was on the back of the car. I heard the two shots. I ran up. I was on the car. I didn't hear anything after that. Right. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of people that weren't in on it were perhaps as dumbfounded and probably used for that as well. Because if you're close enough to that trauma, chances are most people don't function well, regardless of your position in your career, whether you're CIA or not, they would have to go back through some kind of, you know, wide awake um, hypnotherapy. Kind of like, I don't want to use Criminal Minds as a reference, but it's a BAU reference where they'll take you through in a quiet room, in a dark room, and take you through the moments. But now he's too, I want to say he's too old for that, if he's even still alive, you know, with that kind of, right. that's yeah, hard. And they also know how people are going to react to being in a combat zone. Yes. So you have all these people with, there's a lot of people there with their kids. Yes. And all of a sudden you hear shots. Some people look over, they see the president's brain get knocked out of his head by a bullet, blown apart. People go into shock. The people who who plan these things understand how people are going to react in those yes. situations. And it was they're perfect. not going to know if there was two shots or five hundred shots. No, <laughs> because they're going to be all like the last ah. number was four. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. But it, but well, on their sound bites, when they connected all the sound bites, there was four shots, but two were considered just handguns. Like that could be, and you're in Texas. That could be anyone. But well, that's I, all. That's all. Like, listen. The bottom line there is there were most likely three teams. Yes, three shooters. shooters. I believe in that. That as well. I agree with you on that one. Not that I would disagree with you on anything, but I I agree with that completely. I feel like they were brilliant. You're in a crowded place and families, and what happens? You hear shots, and everybody scatters. Very easy to walk away. Right. And Very easy did. to walk away. Everybody's running. Nobody stopped anyone right. to get any witnesses. Nobody. They just let them go. All the front lines were going because we got to take care of our president. And well, they know and, that. And and the assassins literally shot the grassy knoll, gives the weapon to another guy, which is a part of his team. That's he folds the gun up because it's foldable up, puts it in a thing. They walk. There's railroad tracks there. And Lee Bowers, one of the witnesses that said, I saw some weird stuff yes. on the grassy knoll. Yep. And he dies a couple of years later in a weird car accident. Mm. There's a lot, there was a lot of that going on too. If you were a witness, you, if you were in the <laughs> wrong place at the wrong time. There was a lot of people on that and overpass. There were people on the overpass, and yes. but there were people, and, and again, you, you have this confusion that's created. But there was no one better at this at that time than the CIA. Because this was modus operandi for them. They yes. were doing this all over the world. They were they were they they were putting together coups, coup d'etats in all these countries in Central America, South America, Africa, because one of the things that Kennedy wanted 
and he, and people don't realize this. He wanted all nations to be sovereign. So all these third world countries that whether it's South America, Central America, Africa, he wanted them to grow into and have their sovereignty. Well, that's the one thing that the CIA didn't want because the CIA made billions and and American companies and organizations and and the, the, the again the very wealthy and powerful right these corporations they made billions of dollars by exploiting these countries they exploited their natural resources mm. they exploited the, them in this, in terms of war i mean think about how much money was made in vietnam oh. and then cambodia and, and war and games as they say yeah. and there's still Wars, people dying from vietnam war is profit period war is profit and they, who who gains the most in a war it's definitely not the young kids that are dying on battlefields or the civilian casualties in Vietnam were over a million. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, it, but they yeah. were making money. The more bombs we drop, the more money that General Dynamics and Bell Helicopter and all these other, you know, big, big companies, organizations and uh, corporations, the biggest in the world. And then who who owns stock in those? Think about who owns stock in those organizations mm. and those big corporations. It's mm. all these elitist. Again, you go follow, follow the money. That's right. Always. And, that's right. And, and that's why the, they wanted the <laughs> Vietnam War. Kennedy was not going to give it to him. Lyndon Johnson was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <sighs> um, so I, I want to back up again, just a moment. We have these three teams. What was it about Lee Harvey Oswald specifically? He's just like low man on the totem pole. Was is he just like, you know, Lee, Lee last Harvey one Oswald. hired, last the first one to go? Like what? What exactly? Why him out of out of everybody? <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald was part of the false defector program that was run by William Harvey out of the CIA. <clears throat> Okay. That's when people say, well, he defected to Russia. He's a communist. Well, he was an intelligence agent. He was a spy. So right. it was a false defector program. They pretended to defect, but in, uh, the whole time they were gathering intelligence for the United States. Right. So Oswald goes there. He meets Marina, marries her. He gets back into the country with hardly an interview. I mean, you don't do that. I mean, at the heart of the Cold War, you're not just saying, okay, come back. Right. He's right. come back with his Russian wife. Because she's a threat, you know, because she could be a Russian spy. Oh, that could do it. <laughs> Yet they let him in the country that, that because he was he's part of the program. Mm-hmm. So what they do is, and, and then th- there's, there were, okay. Some people I've spoken to have talked about the fact that they planned, it, what they had to cover their bases. Mm. So this assassination, there were three of them planned and it depended on where things went the right way that it was going to occur in that city. One was Chicago, one was Tampa and one was uh, Dallas. Right. Okay. The one in Chicago, Kennedy was supposed to go through Chicago in a motorcade. The, the secret service got a telegram from a Lee an informant, an inside informant by the name of Lee, telling them that there was an assassin, there was going to be an assassination attempt with these Cuban nationalists, these exiles, 
wanted to kill Kennedy and they were going to do it, they canceled the Chicago motorcade. That's Lee Harvey Oswald because Lee Harvey Oswald was infiltrating these mm -hmm. Cuban groups and he had done it in New Orleans and now he was doing it in Dallas. When they he was told to go to Dallas, he was given a job at the Texas School Book Depository by his handler and put in that building for that purpose. So Oswald thinks he's meeting with these, these people from the Cuban community and he's, he, he's meeting people like, he knew Jack Ruby, he knew him. They mm -hmm. knew each other from New Orleans because it was all the Marcello, there was that mob connection. Right. So he's doing his thing and he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm infiltrating, I'm doing my job, I'm a good soldier. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing this. Uh, and so what winds up happening is as this starts to take shape, they realize Dallas is going to work. It's Dallas. They had patsies lined up in Chicago and Tampa. Never happened. And if it would have happened in Chicago, we could be talking about a completely different person. Right. Three, na three names. It wouldn't have been Lee Harvey Oswald. So, no. So Oswald happened to be at the wrong place, wrong time. Would have had a foul at the end of it. And he was set up. He was sheep dipped. He was sheep dipped for a long time. Again, people have to understand the insidiousness of the CIA, especially back then, and the way they did things, the way they operated. They made sure they knew if they were going to try something like this, it, it literally could not fail. They couldn't. Mm -hmm. There was too much at stake. So they had every, almost everything. And Again, if there was a Zapruder film, well, then they'll just control the media and they'll make up ridiculous theories and people will think that's the truth hmm. because of cognitive dissonance. So right. if it, it, right, if there was that one mess up, that one thing they didn't consider, like the Zapruder film, they'll work around that. Hmm. They did because Geraldo yeah, even put that on here and that was a big deal as well years later. Yeah. But that was all Robert Grodin's fault because he was the one who had the film in his hand and he duplicated it without permission and then he sold it. Mm. Yeah. And then whoever got, whatever wound up, Time Magazine took that film and it was a magazine. So why would they take, the, why would they buy the film? They exactly. put it in their vaults and, and they, they doctored it. Mm -hmm. So years later, when people are finally, oh, there's a Pruder films coming out. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, it kind of shows. There's only so much you can doctor it, um, but it does cause confusion in the minds of people. It's like, well, there was that shot from there. It seems like his head goes back into the left, mm. you know, but apparently the original film really shows is going back into the left. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely well, a frontal was on the side news shot. Too. I think people, you know, early days, remember? Yeah. Wayne where, said it. Yeah. You know, early days, you remember the original like as it was being captured live, like, I mean, this was unfolding in front of people. And uh, so, so to switch it, it almost seems like that Mandela effect. <laughs> did that really happen that way? Or did it happen this way? Yeah. Because then you're getting convinced that no, no, this is how it happened. Yeah. Right? This one was spliced. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is. This one was spliced because it had to match the, it had to match the Warren commission's statement and findings. So they spliced the film and switched out two frames. Mm -hmm. right, so it right. made it look like the shot came from the back and inevitably it's Oswald. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know a little bit. <laughs> no, that's what they had to do. So, yeah. and again, we'll never know. I, I tell people this, I was like, we'll probably never know the whole truth. 
Mm -hmm. What we can do is know some of the things that it wasn't right. That the, that the magic bullet theory was nonsense as critical thinkers. We have to hold their feet to the fire on that one. That's Um, a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they just release like 3,600 pages uh, for review? Highly redacted. But here's exactly highly redacted. I mean, the only words you see are the, as, uh. (laughs) I mean, it's like our government. I mean, and and, and again, people think, do you really think the CIA, even though, even though it's 60 years has gone by, people are like, well, those people are dead now. Alan Dulles is long. Not everybody. Here's the thing. The institutions are still there. So the CIA can't come out now and say, whoops. Oh, 880 pages (laughs) of a commission, Warren Commission. How are you going to say, no? Sorry. (laughs) Those 800 pages are all false. We lied. We wrote it to fit the narrative. Because they'll think they'll give an excuse for it. It's the same thing with UFO disclosure. Mm -hmm. I tell people that. What what documents do you think you're really going to get? Redacted. They're all redacted and they're not going to come out and say, well, yeah, we lied to you all those years and we threatened yeah. people and we killed people all those years, <laughs> you know, that's, but that's everything's okay one. now. Because now they're saying that they're not going to come out with disclosure. So there's, they're getting a lot of resistance on that, but that's a whole other show we'll have you on for. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, a, know. you know what? Isn't it the same thing we're talking about? The same yeah, people who think they're better than everyone else. Yes. who think we can't handle truths and mm-hmm. that are trying to get away with whatever they're trying to get away with. Absolutely. And as American right. citizens, as Americans, we just keep getting screwed over. I mean, we're never told the truth and we can't mm-hmm. heal. I tell mm-hmm. people this and it's true. We can't heal as a nation from the yeah. Kennedy assassination. We haven't right. healed. Because the truth has never come out. I haven't and until it Maryland comes out, it's going to hang over this nation like a dark cloud. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It seems like the Kennedys have just been doomed from, <laughs> from like starting from JFK. Then you have Robert Kennedy. Well, who did they make the deal with? That's all I want to know. Uh, well, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. You yeah. know, one gets taken out. Again, are they all the same organizations? Like, is, is you know... RFK, they'll say, oh, no, no, it was the mob, but were they not all working together on well, both cases? Chappaquiddick was covered up. <laughs> well, I think, you know, RFK Jr. now yeah. come out and yeah. says, which was good timing for the book. Yeah. But he's he's another, he's a courageous dude. He says, he tells it like it is. And he said, listen, the CIA was involved in my, in, in my uncle and my father's assassination. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. guess what? He's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I know. So, see, it's, it's just like everything. This, this family I just can't seem to stay away up. from politics. <laughs> I know. It's I like know. everybody it, in the Kennedy family should retire from politics and they'll live not longer. had a real good go of it. That's all I'm worried about uh, a lot, them. A lot of tragedy, but think about yes. it. They were, they were a major threat to these people. Yes. JFK and Robert, because the people loved them. But they used they, a lot of people too. They they did want to change things. Yes, <laughs> and, but they, and they used were, a lot like of Like I people. said, they weren't perfect. But at um, the end, I say JFK was our 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 last best chance for world peace, because since he died, we haven't even been close to it. It's been perpetual war you and conflict. Wrong. You were not wrong with that. He reminds me a little bit about, and I think it was mentioned somewhere in the stream. Like Lincoln, people looked at Lincoln with hope, and I think people looked at JFK with hope. 
this is something new, you know? And, and then look at how that turned out. It's just like, so not only are they proving a point by saying, look, we took out this guy who, you know, America loved, but in a way showing that, no, he's not untouchable, but it's like crushing the hope of the people as well. Correct. It's psychological. And, and think about, Lincoln being killed when he was killed, it changed, you know, uh, reconstruction yeah. and, and, and things were worse yeah. for the freed slaves than there were when they were slave. I mean, cause then the Ku Klux Klan was running wild. You had the Jim Crow laws that mm. it, it, it turned into a disaster, which is what we're still feeling today as a country because things went wrong in reconstruction. Mm -hmm. If Lincoln would have lived and been able to maybe finish his next, that term, Right. Mm -hmm. And 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 because after him was all corruption, right? It was Andrew right. Johnson instead of Lyndon Johnson. That's weird. Oh, right. They're and not Andrew gonna Johnson kill the corrupt the ones. Yeah. yeah. They don't you know, kill the corrupt ones, they take the good ones before the good they ones. can do they anything. They have to take the ones that are you know, Gandhi was assassinated too. People forget yes. he didn't die of old age. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. Martin Luther King. Well, yeah. he wanted peace. What's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah, because people <laughs> they don't want peace. You know, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Humans, honestly, I've come to the conclusion, and I know this is terrible, but human beings are just awful. I have mm -hmm. I have very little faith in our future. And, 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 and I hate to say it, but unless we evolve, like we're talking about, I mean, really evolve, then we're, and reach that next stage of our quote unquote evolution, mm -hmm. our evolutionary journey to become galactic citizens, if I was, we talk about this with the documentaries all the time. If I were an ET and I was looking down here, I'd be like running for the hills. I'd be exactly. like, exactly, don't, don't want to have the bad Keep going. To do with these people. <laughs> I know. Are you kidding me? Yeah. They don't you know? play well and in the sandbox. Keep going. Yeah, but yeah. then there are some of us who really do want to be better. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think it's so hard to live in a world where we're seeing this, and it's like, why? This is wrong. And it's almost like the bad guys always win. Mm -hmm. we're, we're living in a world um, where I've, I believe and I feel for myself that the less time you spend on social media, the more time you can grow. And we're living in a world where everybody just wants to be in, a fun, in front of a camera and say, look at me, look what I'm doing instead of doing something. When we were kids, I know we did a lot of volunteer work as kids. I'm sure you did as well, not because the school told us, because that's the way we were raised. So I, I find that it's just a different generation. It's it's, And my nieces hear this from me, even though they're closer to my age, but I say it's more, there's self-entitlement. There is no feeling of the other person and how can I help my neighbor? Neighbors don't just, exist anymore. You're disconnected. You're very you're, disconnected. You're talking head. People right. pour their lives out in, in for the world to see. Uh, and yeah. Collector of information. <laughs> you're giving and it that's all. exactly what these elitists want. Yeah. They so want I, distraction. I they want people to be just zombified. You think about it. This is being right. becoming a zombie. I think everyone needs to watch Snowden once or twice a year just to remind yourself of what it's really like out there. I don't feel he has any reason to lie about what he did. He had to uproot his life oh, yeah. and move across the world to Russia so he that he won't be assassinated. And he talked about it 
and he, he, had, he had the courage like Kennedy did. I'm surprised yes. he lived, but you know, it get well, they discredited him to the point where mm-hmm. most people, I, I would think in this country, you know how it works. They're all, oh, he's a, he's a, a traitor. Yeah. But I think Russia <laughs> yeah. will, I think Russia will protect him for a long time. <laughs> just to, piss just, off. just to upset just to us. Piss off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take a quick minute for a station and sponsor ID. Oh, my goodness. And then Water. We'll pick up where we left off. Yes, this is where I. you can really tell when I'm tired. Sorry. <laughs> That's bad. I'm so into this. I don't want to stop. But it, I have to. Forever. It's, it's I have to because, stuff. yeah, without them, there's no show. <laughs> No, no show. So you are listening to The Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano coming to you live from the beautiful city of New Orleans on 107.7 FM, as well as the Gulf Coast on 105.3 FM. We are live on all YouTube channels, all of our group Facebook channels, and not only live, but archived as well on Roku channel. Our guest tonight is Jack Roth. And let me get the full title of the book because oh my god this is so exciting look up <laughs> yeah like so amazing you're welcome <laughs> it's christmas thank you michelle it's the best gift ever <laughs> but if jack doesn't come back i'm gonna be really upset uh, his book tonight we're discussing is killing kennedy exposing the plot the cover-up and the consequences. If you're just tuning in, don't worry. You can stream us on our archives on any platform that you normally use. Simply search United Public Radio and then the Outer Realm to find us. Remember to click like and subscribe. Add us to your playlist so you never miss an episode and kindly share us with your friends and family. I'll say that a hundred times. Kindly share. Folgers Coffee, we give you a huge, 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 huge. We're sending out lots of love. Thank you so much for your continued support and sponsoring our show. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you since day one, and we hope that it's a long-going relationship with you. Thank you. Our fabulous banner and promo media is courtesy of Steve McGinnis. He's a horror illustrator, an incredible artist, and Steve creates commission pieces in any genre as well. So you can find him on Facebook. Thank you, Steve. Our intro and outro is courtesy of Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, award-winning composer, vocalist, and musician. You can find his music on Amazon and Bandcamp, stream on any platform, and you can find Dr. Snick on Facebook and Instagram and in your stories as well. Just search Dr. Snick when you're putting a story together and pick out his music. It's really cool. He's always dropping those videos. You know, I tell you guys this every time we're on air. His videos are little horror, but they're creepy cool. Mm-hmm. So check them out. Thank you, Justin. Lastly, give us kindly give us a like, subscribe, and share with your friends and family, especially if you're watching YouTube right now and you're on our YouTube or on UFO Paranormal YouTube, hit that like and subscribe button. If you're on our Facebook channels, please hit that like button. There we go. And we are back. Um, okay, quick question. So what happened to, because they obviously seem to be taking out everybody who <clears throat> is a witness who they may feel could come back at them in the future. And Considering with Lee Harvey Oswald, they were threatening his wife and children. 
did anything ever happen to his wife and children that you're aware of? Or did they did they go on to to live you know happy lives or or? Well, they went on to live, and uh, with Marina Oswald, his wife, um, they the 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 FBI or the Secret Service they put her they took her, and I think they. I don't know what they did to her, but by the time they had her talk to the public and be interviewed for the first time, it, she looked like a zombie and she was like, it was, it was prepared. Her answers were prepared. She mm -hmm. condemned her husband. And oh. at first when it happened, she, she was, was not condemning her, you know, don't they, and they said, listen, and plus she was Russian. So who knows what they were telling her, what they would right. do to her. Um, and then she had two small children and yes. those two children have, have grown up. And, and the one thing I regret about this particular book is that I didn't get one of them in it. Um, I have some cool stories about Marina from other people who have talked to her, uh, and, uh, over the years, but the two girls, uh, you know, they've had to live their entire lives, entire lives with their father being the most hated man in history right uh, to according to a lot of people right, right? he was the they're, they're the assassin's daughters did they have was, to change their names just to... uh no they didn't uh but what they, you know they get married you know like I, i'm not sure exactly like they're both alive yeah uh, and I was, I was thinking about doing a volume two of this but that would be my big get on that i would love to interview one of them because it, and it would be they were so young. It's not like they're going to tell me anything about what happened then, but they can no. tell me about what their lives have been like. Mm -hmm. right? Because there's collateral damage. Yes, and that's Absolutely. the thing we have to realize. And 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 the biggest injustice of this whole thing, if Lee Harvey Oswald was indeed a patsy, and I totally one hundred percent believe he was, and I just ask people to do their own research, read. Mm -hmm. do their thing. Don't take my word for it. Mm -hmm. Do it. And when you realize he was a patsy, that was the biggest injustice to all of this is the smearing of his name and his legacy and his, his wife and his children have had to deal with this their whole lives mm -hmm. and especially the children. And it's wrong. It's wrong. And, and, and the only way we truly get past this, he needs to be, exonerated the truth needs to come out and he needs to be exonerated people need to come and they say he didn't do it but who has the power to do that it, i mean the kennedys you yeah, can't look people, at no. anything without their permission and then you've got the cia that's not going to give you anything there's no one can on do this it. the people that no. did it could have done it but the cia now again could, the cia could come out now in some of these redacted documents <laughs> and say oswald was one of ours he was there but it was a conspiracy and there were, there were other shooters. Now, would they say he was one of the shooters? Maybe, you know, to keep it. So it's not, but you know, they, maybe that'll help their lie a little bit to say, mm -hmm. well, he was one of them. So you know, there were just others, you right. know, cause it was a conspiracy. They didn't but even check them for GSR. They, 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 it'll never happen. No, they just, arrested him. They didn't check him for GSR. They just arrested him and named him because they needed answers fast. And the ones that weren't a part of it. There were things about him that were in the papers so fast mm. that it would, they knew it before it happened. 
Yeah. So how are they getting this? The CIA is feeding the mainstream media information about the army Oswald before the actual assassination occurs. Yeah. So that, like, and they're putting it all out there. Like a politician or a, cel a celebrity, often media has their obits, obits ready to go where they just fill in the missing pieces from the year before in case they pass away. They did the same thing with him. Well, they literally they said, had it ready because they painted this guy. Exactly. And that was Hoover. Hoover said, yeah. we have to convince the world it was Oswald. I have because mixed feelings about that, man. Yeah. If we don't we could be looking at world war three. A friend of mine is his nephew. Yeah. He, I mean, Jay Hoover was a terrible person too. Yes. Yeah. So, well, yeah, so yeah. was this man's grandfather. He's the great, great grandson of Henry H. Holmes. No way. Yes. And his, I believe it's his uncle. That was J Edgar Hoover. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's a, He's a friend of ours. The way you serial killer here. Yes. And, yeah. yeah. And the wow. way he's American Ripper. I don't know if you saw the show, the way you <clears> talked <throat> about writing about these girls and the aftermath, he found out who his great, great grandfather was when he turned 40, his grandfather talked about him. He never knew his whole life. He was a well-established attorney who who worked really well great reputation had done some time in the navy took 10 years off to research this because he wrote about how he dealt with it not who he was but how do i deal with knowing that this is my relative killed hundreds of people mm. and uh yeah and he's also related to hoover mm. Yeah, uh, guilty by association. I mean, something also you, related you know, to that guy for the who your family is, but some tree, you know, it's treaty. Just, what is it? Pine tree, Bruce tree. What is it called in the states? There's a treaty that was also his relative. <laughs> yeah, he's quite interesting. But I'm saying that I think you should write that book. I hope you have the opportunity to do that because I know it gave. Jeff, a lot of healing, and I believe you'd be able to help their, his daughters heal with that. Yeah, they don't like to talk, but well, as as you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, but they don't like to do like video interviews. That's okay. But if I'm writing a book, they don't. And you're have showing to do compassion. And, and they could read this book. They know I'm compassionate. That I'm not making yes. people. I'm not interviewing people to make them look bad. I'm interviewing no. people to get their stories. Yeah. And share it with others. That's why I wrote the book. And I so still, I, I'm not yeah. doing this to, you know, I want to just get the, the record out there, get these stories out there because they're important. And if we can understand what one of these girls went through her entire life, just because of who she, her dad was. And I think you start to understand the collateral damage we're talking about here. Well, there's families yeah. associated, you know, with these people, there's this, you know, it, it, it rolls downhill, you know, um, at the end of the day, and then people have to pick up the pieces. Um, did you run into any problems when you wrote the book with, with your, the research that you've done when it comes to, you know, I always say the good old boys club, like the scholars and, and, you know, um, people of academia who are just like, no, this is, this is how it was. This is how we researched it. This is what we looked into. Has it been well received on average or have you gotten any resistance? I haven't gotten too much resistance now, Very nice. you know, it's the kind of thing where I just wanted to do 
my part right. So in other mm -hmm. words, I knew if I created a book and that's why I did it the way I did it. I did it so that again, every chapter I interviewed someone mm -hmm. there. I let their words do the talking. I let their stories do the talking. I, so it's, it's journalism one-on-one really. Mm -hmm. And it's just asking the right questions. Right. Right. And then boiling it down. <laughs> and so for it, there's not much to criticize because I'm not coming out and saying, I know for sure right. that this happened. Uh, I, I wanted to avoid that because I'm not one of these people who spent 30 years. I'm not going to start that deep dive at this point. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted right. to be more like a people's history. Like, so people can go to this book and reference it. Mm -hmm. And if they wanted to read one chapter, they can read one or two chapters and then they mm -hmm. can come back and read three more. And then mm -hmm. if a certain chapter really interests them, the topic, mm -hmm. then they can do the, Oh, I'm going to get this book and this book and this book. Right. I want to learn more about who Oswald really was, or I want to mm -hmm. learn more about the CIA E. Howard Hunt. Cause I interviewed St. John Hunt, who's the son of E. Howard Hunt, uh, E. Howard Hunt of water, uh, Watergate fame or infamy, I should say, one of the Watergate burglars. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people who were the Watergate burglars, they were the same guys in Dallas that day in 63. Wow. It was all the usual suspects, <laughs> yeah. you know, and and the names are, they're, they're the same names, Frank Sturgis. Mm. What, no middle name? <laughs> well, e. Howard, E. Howard Hunt. Yeah. E. Howard, he was a, he, he says on his quote unquote deathbed confession, that uh, he was asked, he was more logistics on the outside guy. So what he did, he, he got some of the people in through Canada, some of the assassins in this through from Europe, the Corsican mob through Canada and into Texas and different ways to get people in and out. He had to uh, put them in safe houses after that's what E. Howard Hunt did. So he used that. That was his thing. It was logistics. And he did this with the, he, he worked with the Cuban exiles for years. And mm -hmm. the Bay of Pigs was one of his things. So, so he, they were trying to overthrow Castro forever. From yes. the minute Castro got into power, the CIA, they were trying to you know, dethrone oh, him, so to speak, kill him <laughs> right. any way they could. And right. uh, so that's what they were doing. And they were, you know, they were unsuccessful with Castro, which was amazing. That was a big, a big loss for them in the end. And there's too many people on the inside on both sides with that. Um, I love that you wrote this book. Do we have anybody that we need to? Because I talked so much, we missed a lot of comments and things, Michelle. I I know she's giving my moment in glory here because I'm just like fangirling, but I'm so happy that you wrote this book and why you wrote it. I'm just so I'm in, I'm honored to be <laughs> here speaking with you, and I love your compassion with this book, and I love how thorough you were and, and how kind you were and careful. I appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. Um, <laughs> oh, Christopher, <laughs> Christopher A. James. Thank you so much for participating. Are any of you familiar with my most favorite comment comic? Sorry, Bill Hicks. If not, please do yourself the favor and watch the YouTube clip of his genius comedic explanation of the assassination of JFK back and to the left. I and of course I'm planning on voting for RFK Jr. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Bill, Bill Hicks was uh, he he ruffled feathers. He was Did he? Brilliant. I don't know yeah, who he, he is. He was a courageous comedian. Died young, very young. 
Mm-hmm. Almost he, like a George Carlin type. Well, he would tell it like it is. I mean, he didn't yeah. care, you know, and, and he had some really great takes on stuff like that on the Kennedy assassination and he didn't hold back, you know, yeah. was, again, you, you go, you, you put yourself out there. You never know what's going to happen, but you do it anyway. Cause you have to, Exactly. So, you know, but Bill Hicks was funny. Wow. Another comment. Oh, Thank you for joining us, Polly. Might, might I tell you, you're very pretty. Here. Um, my father knew about the Bay of Pigs, and we were part of the John Birch Society. I was a junior Whoa. member. Whoa. Interesting. Okay. John Birch Society. Johnson yeah, was part of it too. Yeah. Well, Johnson, I, I, you know, we do. We didn't talk about Johnson. One of the chapters I interviewed this guy. I wrote. Did a lot of. Spent a lot of years researching Lyndon Johnson, and uh, he was definitely part of the cover up. He knew about it. Because it was all the Texas oligarchy. It was the, it was all his Texas oil friends. Right. Texas was the most corrupt state. Well, maybe Louisiana, but Texas. Ooh, you want to talk about a good old boy network? Mm. They were so corrupt down there; it was ridiculous. And the Kennedys were ready to get rid of him. They were ready to put him up on charges. They didn't want him to run again as to have him be the VP. Mm. And he was so oh. dirty, Lyndon Johnson. And you did you got it? It's not enough time to tell about it but about everything he was about. But one thing for certain, you want to talk about psychological traits. He was all of those. He was a narcissist. He was a sociopath. He was a psychopath. He was a megalomaniac. He, all these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And there's Dan. I, I, I wanted to do a shout out to Dan. How you know, you, Dan? Yeah. Know He's Dan, been on right? our show a couple of times. He's yeah. I was going to say, do you know him. who his grandfather is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse <laughs> yeah. James. Dan's yeah. awesome. H.L. Yeah. Hunt. And, and here's the thing about Dan, and you should get him on to talk about this. He's been because, on. And I know he's been on. Oh, I'm he sorry. Had a, he had to deal with a lot of these Texas people <laughs> in yeah. his research, right? <laughs> so he's telling me about H.L. Hunt. Hello, Dan. <laughs> and uh, and he, you know, all, all these, like, he he met uh, one of JFK, uh, sorry, one of Lyndon Johnson's cronies, who was it? Uh, oh, Billy Solestis. Right. who was the crookedest, the most, oh, horrible human being. But he met him at some funeral, and they're all very interested. Yeah, it does hit home because it, it, they're all incredibly interested in Dan's family story. And it makes you wonder how how far does this go? What, what do these people know? You, know? you talk about the John Birch Society. Boy, I'll tell you what. That is the conservative think tank of all time. That is an right. uber conservative. You look at who's in the John Birch Society over history, over the course of its history, and that's a little that's a little scary. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, this is all related, all related. Right. This is sort of scary when you think about it, just how deep the rabbit hole goes and just how mm-hmm. long it's been going on for and how long it will continue to go on for. Uh, comment from Wayne. Yes, hi, Wayne. Funny, actually. <laughs> He's, he writes, in the normal world, once you reach a certain age, you need to leave your job because you're not as together as you were in your years. But with the president, you need to be a fossil to get elected. <laughs> Look at his photo. And apparently <laughs> have dementia. Hilarious house of Frankenstein, yeah. Like Methuselah. <laughs> He's a writer. He's an incredible writer. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, there we yeah. go. Another one. 
um yes no heather heather it's always such a pleasure listening to jack roth he's so knowledgeable and really makes you think outside the box yeah well, definitely you, and i appreciate i love your photo there of breaking bad <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness always nice we have the best audience um, um yeah, go ahead, Amelia. No, no, I've got nothing. I'm I was like, um, I've got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Well, nothing, well, honey. Well, no. So, um, what's next for, for Jack Roth? You could, I think you should do a film about this and interview these people if they'd be willing to. I think it would be outstanding. No kidding. Someone who's the, my publicist, I call her my publicist. She's awesome, Stacy. Um, she's been helping me get on shows like this and uh, helping me promote the book. Um, she thinks it would be a great either documentary or even like a doc series. And I never thought of it that way. Mm. Uh, I guess you could do the interviews and it would definitely be a great documentary because it's, it is, it's definitely a certain approach to it. Mm -hmm. And I can get enough of the people who were in it to interview. It would be a really good documentary. And mm -hmm. as far as Kennedy goes, like I said, sales have been pretty good. A publisher I have a really good relationship with. There could be a volume too. I hope so. Because there are enough people. Mm -hmm. I could easily interview 20 to 25 more people and it would all be very compelling interviews. I'd take it even further. And like I said, if I can get one or both of Lee Harvey Oswald's daughters, mm -hmm. I think that would be a major coup for me uh, for, and for the book, because I think that would be incredibly insightful. All I wanted for this book was it, that it was insightful and that it was it, it, there were things that people didn't know about that would come out because of these people's stories. And that's all I could ask for. And that it would be readable and compelling and put together well. And I think I accomplished that, but I would definitely do a volume two. But as you know, we have some documentary projects also coming down the line uh, that we're trying to put together and develop uh, as well as a screenplay. So, but you know, I know I'm coming back on the show. I think we're going to talk about UFOs. I'm not sure. But, you, uh, you are. And if you're not, you will be. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> That's Michelle's up, favorite. I think, we, I think um, we have it set up for next month. To did be John honest. Kennedy go on a UFO? <laughs> people ask me that. I mean, people March 20th. That's right. March 20th. People ask me. The day after my birthday. Another gift. <laughs> did John Kennedy die? Was he killed because of what he knew about UFOs? And I, I, I never put the two. Like this I've was heard a that one thing. from yeah. one of our guests, I think, said it. And, yeah. and I yeah. think, I, here's what I think, and, and that I think it's safe to say, is that presidents since the 1940s, 19, since Roswell, let's mm -hmm. say right after World War II, which is yep. the modern era of UFOs. Right. After we dropped the bomb, I think. So everything changed after Roswell. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think that presidents, some knew more than others. Oh. Eisenhower, I think, knew a lot. And and the incomings are always like, what do you know? What do you know? I want to know. And depending on who you are, I think someone like George Bush Sr., because he was the head of the CIA, knew an awful lot about the UFO phenomena and oh. the cover-up and everything. Yes. But okay. I think a lot of presidents just want to know more. Nixon and because they think they have the power, but they don't they yeah. don't have that top secret clearance, believe it or not. No. These no. things are so top secret and so just the dark projects that the president it's it, it te they'll tell the president it's need to know you don't need to know he's, he's a, a temporary <laughs> employee of the government he's a temporary employee yeah. and he's he's <laughs> he doesn't have the power yes he has this perceived power and there's power in vetoes and there's power in 
some of the things he can do or she can do. Hopefully there'll be a she soon. And, but, you know, when you think about the true power structure Mm -hmm. of this country and the world, president, not as high as you would think. They always say he's the most powerful person in the free world. No, he's not. He's a figurehead. That's all. He's a figurehead. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. that's what I think. I think that Kennedy may have wanted to know more and maybe Doug, but they don't they're not going to kill a president for that. But they and you had more Republican presidents knew about it. Mm-hmm. Nixon knew a lot. He brought Jackie Gleason yes. to have a look see. One of the um, coolest stories that. ever, by the way. It, it is because it messed up Jackie Gleason for freaking ever. After that, he was never the same. <laughs> he, was, no. he just started to drink even more. I know. Yeah, I would too. I know. But he said, he goes, you know, he said, if if people really knew what was going on and what was out there, like he cried apparently after he had that experience. Yeah, it's hard. It's it hard for someone for who everybody. lives a life. No, it's not. Especially- Unless you work your way towards it. We've worked our way towards it. Yes, we understand these possibilities. We've done the research. We've talked about it. But imagine someone who lives a very old-fashioned—I say old-fashioned, but you know, older generation, <laughs> black and white, no nonsense, very practical, mm-hmm. right? If science can't prove it, it doesn't exist. There's no such thing as ghosts. There's no such thing as UFOs. There's no such. In a documentary as- called "There's No Such Thing as Ghosts," <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's people that are very much like that. But imagine that right. person. Yes. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, seeing an ET body in a tank in Homestead Air Force Base. <laughs> so, that's hard it it makes swallow. me cry I mean, when I see those photos, though. Yeah. yeah. But people can't, and people can barely get through everyday life in, in, in dealing with the obstacles that you have no choice to deal with. It's hard for people to, to get, well, especially people of that time, to get their head around something so, so, so like far out there. You know, now I think because we have computers, we have the internet, everybody's got a cell phone, people are becoming a little bit more relaxed about it. Um, You know, let's face it, ancient people, they were all way ahead of the game. And then Roswell changed everything. It's like, no, you're not allowed to talk about this now. Now this is a secret technology. Now this is taboo. Uh, And and people feared it because, again, you're being conditioned to think a certain way but the united states was like is the last country to bloody disclose half half the world really is like they're all in it's on sad. it you know? yeah right well, maybe they have more to hide though i think about that all the time yeah maybe they're they have culpable. more to hide they're more culpable yeah. yeah that too didn't kennedy push for disclosure good question yeah he was one of those guys ah. i mean you know he was definitely one of those people who were like you know, hey, we need to know. He wanted to, he, he was not afraid of that stuff. He wanted people to know stuff that things shouldn't be hidden from people. Mm-hmm. He, he, he railed against secret societies, right? In one of his last speeches, he says these secret societies. And what he was talking about was these blue blood elites. He would have mm-hmm. hated Bush. <laughs> and the, let me tell you something. Bush's George Bush senior was in Texas that day. And that's a whole other thing. But the Bush, because he, he was in the big oil CIA. Ah, yes, was, yes, yes. He was the head of CIA. Yes, not, he not would at, be in Texas. That's right. But he would not, not at that point, he wasn't head of CIA, but he was in the CIA. In the Maybe CIA that's what got point. him the right. head. Huh? And, we need well, to look that, at the timing you know, on you that. Do, you do certain things and you, you're, you're, you play ball and you're a shill, right? And you just obey orders and do what you're supposed to do. 
There, there's no perfect, more of a perfect example of one of these blue blood elitist families than the Bushes. And, I, I, you know, they, they, they all did skull and bones is a secret society. It's, yeah, a, real it's, one. it's yeah, a real, right. it's a real thing. That's, yeah. Yeah. Juniors in that goes back hundreds of years. The, yes. the, 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 the amount of power that people who are in skull and bones have had over yes. the years in this country is horrifying horrifying mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they keep the power contained within themselves that's why they don't want this upstart kennedy catholic dude coming in no. they didn't want any part of that you know they no. want they always want why do you think it's taken so long you would think we would have had a female president by now uh you know another catholic president by now a jewish yeah, president he's not a good old boy you know we had barack obama but i, I tell say. people this story real quick he he remember like say Barack Obama won, so he wins the election. There's all this, everyone's excited, you know. The, oh, a new a new day is dawn because we were so tired of the bushes. <laughs> so he comes in, he's all excited. He has you know everything he ran on in, in for his campaign. He had one of they have that transition meeting where he meets with the Bush people and they have the transition meeting mm -hmm. in the White House somewhere. And I remember I was ha I happened to be watching TV that day. And I saw that, oh, is that he's doing that? They're doing the transition meeting. I'm like, okay. So you see Obama in the days before he had just won the election. He's this young guy, right? He's just, he has vibrant and all that. He goes into this transition meeting. Three, out, three four hours later, they, he comes out and they show him. And I'm telling you, I, I asked people to try to find this footage. I don't know how to find it. He had gray hair that he didn't have going into it. He looked no way. shaken. Really? Shaken to the core. What did they tell him? And I was like, something happened in there. And I joke about this, but I think they showed the Zapruder film. I honestly think they showed the Zapruder film and say, that too could be you if you don't do what we tell you to do. Do you think I they pushed him through a dimension and brought him back? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but like he, uh, they scared him. They 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 basically lay down the law and say you're you're president, but you're not going to do anything we don't want you to do. Hey, right? he's one of the most quickly to age presidents that I've ever seen. It, it, this was a three hour age. That's jumper. shocking. I didn't it know was, about that. It was like Moses going up to the burning bush and coming down with you know long gray hair. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. I'm like, he was shaken. He's just, you know how confident he was and how he, when he, he was the confident. Election, he, was... he was suave and charming. Yeah, I think that yeah. was something they hadn't seen in a long time as well. Mm. You know, and then he recovered from the meeting, obviously, but in that meeting, something happened. Hmm. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about, it. can I read Wayne's comment about which one? Which one? How, let's start with this one. Okay. We'll, we'll yes, yes, yes. I didn't see that one. Okay. okay. Thank you. Cool. Wayne says JFK was interested in opening up communication with all other countries to discuss alien encounters and sharing collected tech with each other. That didn't go over with oh, the higher ups. Uh, just saying. There and then go. Wayne says Barack Obama said after his meeting in transition meeting, he said if there were windows in that room, he would have jumped out of that window. There so, you go, Wayne. Thank you for that. Because I'm yeah. telling you, I saw it. I saw it. And that yeah. confirms it. I, I, I feel like that I not see that, but I did see it. Something right. happened. Right. <sighs> now I right. want to look for that clip. <laughs> Try like, to find it. You could. Uh, I'm going, be hard to find. I would imagine. Probably have to There's, go into a dark web to get that.
because it was random. It's like, okay, he comes out of the transition meeting and they interview him. It was like right. one of those, you know. Well, if I stuff. ever see it, I'm going to think of you and I'm going to zoom <laughs> in on that, like that, really right. focus in on that. No, That's very Wayne, interesting. Wayne's right. I didn't know that he said that, but that yeah. tells you. <laughs> yeah, tells no. you. see it for sure. <laughs> he was very careful oh. with his words. Your websites. Tell everybody how to find you, what you've got coming up. Just this is promote promote time. Okay, um, sure. Well, I have an author site and people ask, well, how, how, what's the easiest way to get the book? There's two ways. You can go to jackrothauthor.com. Right, and on there, yeah. there's a link to you know uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the major booksellers. And there's my other stuff that I'm working on or have worked on is there with links to that, the documentaries, other books. Uh, and then, of course, you could just go straight to Amazon to buy the book. Uh, that's also obviously an easy way. If you go to the, my site, there's more information and there's, it's, it's pretty cool. I'll and put I have a, a, I have a recommended Amazon. reading list. That's pretty extensive too. You're also in Indigo chapters in Canada. What's that? Indigo chapters, chapters Indigo. It's like a, a umbrella of Barnes and Nobles in Canada. Yeah. Oh, your Canada, it, your book is there. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah knowing that people from other countries read this because they, they also have a much different perspective than we do. Like right. I said, the Europeans knew all along it was a conspiracy from the day it happened. They were like conspiracy, <laughs> obvious <laughs> conspiracy. And they, 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 they looked at us like we were children. Like what is wrong with them? Right. So, you know, I'm, I want people from around, hopefully that around the world are reading it. So I love yeah. it. I'm so happy you're here tonight. Yes, my gosh, thank you for for joining us and um you know Amelia is just totally fangirling. <laughs> send me <laughs> I just want to listen. <laughs> send send me a mailing address and I'll send oh, you. Oh, well, thank you. You don't have to do that, but thank you no, so much. No, it's my That's pleasure. too you, generous. You've been so kind about No, are you what kidding me? About the book, so and I'm not one to to um lend out my books. My family and friends know that. I make them buy their own books. Like I don't lend them they say oh can i borrow the book i'm like no no never you have to buy books. it i learned that the hard no, way no i do it because i want <laughs> no it's not because of that i do it because i want the author to get that recognition on the sales that's why i do it oh yeah i don't like do I, it for any other reason i, I have do, an extensive I, book collection i collect old leather bound and hand sewn books as well so, i've done that with other authors they're like why don't just trade books yes like, well, why don't we just buy each other's books and let's, it helps. It helps with sales numbers. That's why I no, never no, lend no, my books. And yeah. we have a review, yeah. people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> review. Reviews, reviews are so important. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, Jack, thank you. I will be in touch. And because um, I, I have a couple of ideas. So I'm going okay. to be in touch with you. And I will send you links and so on. Yay. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, thanks for having me on. I, I look this forward was fun. to I you the day it. after my birthday. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> pleasure. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Thank have you. A have a good night. night. Have a great All right. weekend. All right, you too, guys. You. Take care. Bye. -bye. You're welcome. Good night. Good night. Well, that was the end of another fantastic segment, and totally out of the norm. And wow, that's all I'm going to say. Wow. Very well researched. I love these interviewed all these people and be interesting to see if people are still a little bit on edge about talking about it, even all these years, because it was such a monumental event in American history, world history, really. But 
anyway, big thank you to Jack Roth for joining us tonight and, and spending the evening with us and, and talking about his book, Killing Kennedy, Exposing the Plot, the Cover-Up, and the Consequences. I love it. Big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring the show this evening and every other evening. Big thank you to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon. Big thank you to Steve McGinnis for all of his artwork. And next week, guys, we're going to have two new people. So Les Durant is going to be on Wednesday night. He is an accomplished ghost and UFO hunter. Mm -hmm. I know. But he seems to have found a method of recording extraterrestrials. And he's got over 40 recordings he's been on different shows and he's got stuff all over youtube to go check it out <laughs> and a thursday night brings another special guest joshua shapiro who does all kinds of amazing stuff honestly he does amazing stuff but we're going to be starting off and again he's going to be on at least a couple times i'd like to see him come more than that but he's going to be discussing crystal skulls and that's a I love, I love talking about crystal skulls. I think we've only Me had too. one person who's ever yeah. really come on and really gotten into it. So this is going to be really cool. So again, guys, you're listening to the outer realm, United public radio network, UFO paranormal radio network, 105.3, 107.7. Have a good weekend and we'll see you all next week. Thanks to everybody who tuned to the chat room. You make it that much more fun. Good night.